0: You ever wonder what happens when you transition from the role of being a part of the team to leading the team? Are you currently going through this transition and you suddenly find yourself asking some questions you need answers to which eventually lead to more questions? That's the exact same phase I'm in right now and I will be asking many of these questions to our speaker Aprajit. Aprajit describes himself as an engineer by accident and designer by fate. He started out as a service designer working with MNCs, agencies, startups, and before joining Mintra as their lead designer for their consumer apps. Now he's the design lead of mobility and ride hailing business for Gojek in Southeast Asia. We've received some very interesting questions, and I'm curious to understand his perspective about transitioning to a lead or a lead design manager role. This is the Hayawati Podcast, and I'm your host Madhuri, speaking and asking many realistic questions to designers and product managers to understand and learn and grow. Let's get started here. First question and a very common question, right, in India and everywhere in the world. At what point in your career do you transition from an IC to a manager? Is it a natural thing? You know, who realizes that you're up for this role? How does this happen?
1: That's really an interesting question, I think. And it's a quite popular one. It uh, haunted me ever since I myself crossed the mid-level mark. So to be honest, I tried my first management stint. I had completed five years in designing. And then I thought, yeah, maybe it's a good time. I know pretty much about stuff. Why not just give it a shot? And then I realized that I'm not yet ready for it. It was just a hard failure that taught me that, yeah, it's pretty soon to try things. So that is when I actually switched back to being an IC to focus on the field expertise part instead. And given the opportunity, I would like to test myself now, which I'm trying to do as much as I can. Um, But hey, I'm glad that I just failed fast and I had the chance to recover. So yeah, it wasn't a natural progressing sorry, natural progression. Uh, What happened was that I was working with this startup where they were trying to scale tremendously. And I suddenly realized that, hey, why shouldn't I just talk to the management and convey to them that we build an internal team of designers, we scale it, and I'm gonna take that responsibility. So that happened naturally, but things didn't go too well. Things scaled up too fast. There were too many people. When I joined, there were just two people in the design team. By the time I left, They were 24. And I ended up actually managing everyone, Tried to mentor everyone. Um, But yeah, that was my point of learning in managing for the first time. That is when I realized also the fact that, yeah, if you are Sachin Tendulkar and you're the best player on the team, doesn't mean that you go ahead and become captain, right? The rest Mm -hmm. is history for him as well. Um, Having said uh, that, I think there are enough opportunities for IC roles as well. Um, at least where I'm working currently at Gojek, there are so many different specialists from interaction design, creative motion, design ops, whatnot. And I've come to believe that it's up to the organization to create new opportunities rather than just give in to shallow entitlement. So yeah, that has been my learning so far in this field.
0: You started off with the sample pack and now we are with the full trial, is that right?
1: You could say that. You could say that. I think I'm still sampling it out, but (laughs) hoping myself all the best.
0: As you mentioned, that in India, you know, they usually tend towards management, right? Everybody wants to have that managerial role. Um, How do we actually say that, you know, hey, this is not for me, and how do we go back? Like, how can we change this?
1: I think it's uh, the idea of trial. Some may call it trial by fire. Because it's not easy. I think uh, one of the very first things that I realized was that there was a whole new approach to doing things. You had to adhere to certain changes in your own behavior. You had to think before you act. Sometimes it felt like you could just jump in and solve something, but it was the learning to actually step back, watch things happen, unravel, let somebody else fill in that gap and allow them to learn in the process of doing so. That led me to understand, hey, this is more of what a role of a manager is rather than just being a specialist, trying to solve a problem on everybody else's behalf. It took me some time to realize I went back and forth. But yeah, it's an ever learning process. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. that is what's crucial while trying to understand if this role fits you more or the other role. If you love solving problems yourself and you feel you're the best person to do that job. Or if you want to just step back and let somebody else do it while you guide them to do the best job they could, that's all I could say from that perspective.
0: And actually, it makes sense because one of the biggest things that we find ourselves is restraint, right? We just have to hold ourselves while before we jump in and say, hey, I'm going to do this, you know, just back off. But that's very hard. So. How much of tool work did you actually do once you became a manager? Was it like zero or was it in between or where where was it?
1: It's a gradual take on actually shifting from one tool or one tooling system to the other tooling system, I think. Um, So I started off with still doing like 80% of design work using design tools. But then over time, I realized that my expertise was required elsewhere. So now I'm trying to cut it down to less than 20% maybe. Because I think by not having to design design, I was doing more justice and helping the team more while covering more breadth of the design instead of the depth. Because design tools are going to come and go, but documentation is going to stay. That was when I realized that, hey, this is what I'm trying to create value within the system through. And uh, yeah, in that regard, I think it's, again, been a learning process, exposure to new set of documents, uh, trying to figure out how to set up processes, how to set up systems, and it's just ongoing.
0: You touched upon a very important topic, documentation, but that's in a whole other episode as well. That's definitely I saw And, you know, while you're going through this process, as you said, trial and error and all of that, was there something like an imposter syndrome that you had during this process? Or was it like all sorted? I can take care of it. How was it in this process?
1: It's it's a very important question, I think. And uh, to be honest, I consider myself too young into the field to even say that I've seen enough and I want to judge anybody considering myself. But having said that, I think Ways of asking myself questions like why I'm doing this enough or what I'm trying to achieve by doing this has always helped me self-critique myself. And that is one path forward, I think, for everyone who's trying to approach and get into this field. It's going to be a lot of self-critique that is going to help you through that doubt of being a decent to a better manager. I think what has been a validation for me personally is seeing how the team has achieved or what the team has achieved throughout the time. Because while I struggle trying to realize the fact that if I'm doing well or not, the real output was through what the team had collectively achieved rather than what I'm trying to do myself. So, yeah, I think it's always going to be a struggle. It's never going to be clear, but that's what keeps driving us to do more and more.
0: Yeah, that's actually well articulated. I don't think anybody else would have said it the same way.
1: Thank you. I don't know if I did justice there. But as I said, it's just perspectives that I'm learning.
0: Yeah, that's very important. And that's that's something that should go out. Because if we don't hear somebody else saying it, we won't be able to register it for ourselves as well. You've been on both sides of the industry and you know you've been on the service side of industry, the product side of the industry. How did those roles differ? Can it be improved? Can you even compare them in the same level to improve them?
1: Both have their joy. They are so different yet they're so common. Um, It's like let's say for example riding a bike versus driving a car. Mm -hmm. One lets you explore faster, wherever you wanna go. And the other one just allows you to enjoy long drives with a good company, right? The downsides, if you ask, just from my perspective, is either going too fast or too slow. There are downsides to both of these. And I think the industry out there suffers from either of them, given the stance that they are taking a service approach or a product approach to design. The other thing that I felt personally was the service industry often ends up offening their designs, ending up pushing it out to clients and saying goodbye. Whereas there are certain product teams which tend to cling too tightly to their designs and take a lot of pride in their work. I think a balance there might also be a good idea. But yeah, that's just my perspective.
0: Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, so you're saying having a good balance between actually owning your design versus giving it away Something that would help? Is that something that we should consider from this?
1: Yes, I think that's just what I think. Having a transition from being with the service industry for some time and then moving into a product, I think there is a lot of good work being done in service. And they just it off to the clients for whoever we are doing this. But the agencies need to celebrate that a little bit more, like the product companies do, right? They take a lot of pride in their work. Um, the service industry does actually a lot of work themselves as well but it's just that the amount of pride they take is mobile, mostly just distributed around and hey i'm not sure if we out here are the target customers every time so it's just a missed opportunity i believe
0: yeah that makes sense moving on to the next one it says uh one of this is a very interesting question uh we're going back to the management thing which is like How do you make sure the cumulative output of the team is up to or better than what you would as an IC produce? Is it even comparable like that?
1: That's a great question. And I think the answer also lies within the question. I would say the team is always larger than the individual. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I believe there is nothing more dangerous than a solo designer working in a silo which is both for the org and themselves that they're trying to harm. Um, The output of design is often not measurable alone in the quantity or uh, rate of deliverable, but actually the hygiene of it. What I've noticed over time is that the team brings nuance and critique, which eliminates flaws and takes our design to the next level altogether, which an individual sometimes struggles to achieve. And I would like to quote, Julie Zhu here, which she uh, said a few times when, uh, in her book, The Making of Manager, I think, it's all about, about selling lemonades, right? The role of a manager, I think, is to multiply the output and not add to it. For me, that happened, and this is me quoting a personal anecdote here, that uh, there was a time when I realized that my team was better delivering great design while I was out there setting the expectations and selling it rather. So uh, this is where I, I actually recall one of my mentors who would say that the only way to move up is to find someone better than you to replace at your current job. I found my replacements back then and I could say proudly that now they're leading the individual teams and products. That's a pride factor for me that's going to stay for the rest of my career till I grow old, right? And that's something that I couldn't retain myself, like no amount of self pride could give me that multiplicative effect in terms of output or mentorship, which I rejoice today.
0: Would you share a story which is one of the moments that you felt that, you know what, I as a manager, you know, you pat yourself on the back and say, this is worth it. That's the kind of story.
1: All right. I think I can relate to one of the few instances, right? I think uh, this is when I joined my current job early on at GoJ. And then I was actually just struggling to get something done on my own. I was trying to make the best out of a design. I was doing a lot of wireframing, a lot of flows and everything else. And we just had to ship a big project. And I was trying to dabble into multiple things. I was also trying to get design done. And I also was trying to just catch up with everybody, trying to understand what their context was, what the expectations were from stakeholders what the project plan is going to be like, what is the impact that we're trying to measure out of this end deliverable. And I just found myself bogged down and that showed in my deliverables as well, eventually. Like I could see that I'm not doing a great job in figuring out what things are being missed. There are misses or uh, some cases that are being not considered or maybe I'm not in the right state of mind trying to think about all of these things at the same time. Um, That is when I actually, Asked one of my teammates and he was kind enough to extend help beyond his ongoing projects when he just jumped in and said yeah let me do it for you and ever since then the realization has been that yeah he's been doing great in dealing that part so now i have actually asked him to step in just take care of deliverables on my behalf because i think he's doing a tremendous job there and i rather they want to focus my time while talking to stakeholders setting the expectations of design trying to see how that impact is going to be measured and what sort of next steps we want to have in terms of those deliverables or projects so yeah i think that's a quick personal recent anecdote that i could share with you i think the important aspect and learning here for me were two one that it's not always possible that i could get the best output of everything and second it's always right it's always fine to actually call out that you are in a tight spot and you need help. So you don't actually have to take a lot of pride or you go behind the fact that you're trying to lead a team and then you're struggling at just doing basic design. I think it's all right to call out and seek help from a teammate and not be shy about it because they end up just doing a better job and you also feel collectively proud about the output. So yeah, that's just my take on that.
0: Got it. Um, Moving on to the next question is like, uh, what are your techniques for delegation and feedback? I think this is a very popular one. A lot of designer managers and lead designers have asked this, especially when you're working with uh, junior designers and, you know, they're trying to figure out that feeling that we get, right? I can do this and I can figure it out myself. Why should I delegate this to somebody else? So how do you actually... You know, delegate and how do you give feedback so that the work moves in the right direction? This question is from me too.
1: All right, thanks for asking that. But as I said earlier, I think the art of delegation is also something that we often struggle to understand. It's the ever looming dilemma that we designers who have moved from being an individual contributor and then started trying to learn our ways into being a lead, it will always haunt us. But given the fact, I think it's just realizing the the opportunity for our teammates to grow wherever we see that we could just do a better job. I think it's trying to identify what kind of responsibilities we could share with the team, setting up different roles for them, trying to set clear paths for them. I think that is what matters more. That is also something that I have been trying to do for all of my teammates. Uh, We have been trying to formalize processes to figure out what each teammate's growth plan is, what their key responsibilities are so that they are responsible for whatever they're doing and they can actually be answerable to anyone without me having to intervene and fill up for the gap of knowledge or communication so i think yeah setting up the right path or setting up the course or the purpose for everyone that is crucial to begin with next thing that follows is definitely the process the process of delegation setting up responsibilities for each team member because they know suddenly they own something. They are the ones responsible. People are going to reach out to them and say, hey, why are you doing this design in a certain way? I think that is when I want to step back and let them answer that question while I try and give them enough opportunity to set their arguments right because I don't want to answer the question on their behalf. I think these are the small things that we try to actually help them push the boundaries and get to a point where they can solely represent themselves at work. Coming to feedback, I think that is also something interesting that we have. um, And this is something that we have been trying at my current workplace as well. I try and avoid giving feedback for work that everybody is doing individually. And I always try to facilitate sort of cadence where we involve different stakeholders like research, writers, and whoever is kind of aligned on the design process to give collective feedback, where the designer shares the work. So it's never personal feedback that we end up sharing, but it's collective feedback. And everybody gets to know what the other person is trying to say. We also do critique sessions um, like bi-weekly with other stakeholders like engineering and product teams so that they can share feedback over what's happening and what's not, what things are to be covered from all aspects, right? Talking about feedback regarding personal growth. I think that is again, another interesting topic, uh, but to speak about it shortly. This is also something that I've been trying to figure out as a part of framework through one-on-ones. I'm trying to document what we are talking about in each one-on-one. I'm trying to set up agenda for what we are gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about project improvements. We're gonna talk about behavioral traits. We're gonna talk about personal goals. But yeah, I think what has helped is setting up the agenda prior to actually having those one-on-ones so that both parties are on the same page saying that, hey. This is something that we both agree mutually, we should focus on improving. Um, That has been the process so far on working for feedback, both in terms of project as well as personal growth. Yeah, I think so far all I have learned is that struggling from being an IC to actually uh, confidently saying that I'm trying to lead somebody or lead a team. It has always been a question in my mind that, what happens to my portfolio, right? I I don't know if a lot of people ask this question, but I felt that at a certain point asking myself that, hey, what's gonna happen with my portfolio? What do I put up there? What do I put up as my role when I actually delegate the work and let somebody else do it on my behalf? Um, But it took me some time to realize that the team was my new portfolio. And every team member is a unique project that I had to work on. That is still one way that the designer in me is still feeling proud of what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, actually, I love the fact that you said that, you know, every team member is a project. I have not seen it that way. So I guess I should start looking at it that way as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Again,
1: no offense to them or Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, not trying to (laughs) simplify or make them intangible in that aspect. But yeah, it's just one of the aspects. I think it's just uh, one way that I perceive what needs to be done. And these are definitely things that are part of my project on my plate right now.
0: Coming to when setting up responsibilities, you mentioned that you know you set it up for them so that they own it. Can you give us a little more nuance into how we can do it? Because I have noticed it personally myself, where when we hand over something, it has to either be chunked or given a certain way. How do you actually still make sure that they own this thing? How much you care about it, you also want the other person to take care of it as well so how do we enable that i mean it's not like we can you know put a usb wire and say hey you take care of it it's not going to happen that way but how can we do it what are some techniques that you have
1: i don't know if i would call them techniques but these are things that i've learned by observing my mentors and managers in the past and a few things that i've captured just being passively present they're trying to capture how they deal with things, how they actually run things, how they manage teams and products and whatnot. I think it's just mere observation skill um, that every designer has. And I think that's a key trait that we try to leverage every time. That is also something I am trying to leverage right now. I try and be a good example for them to begin with. So Whenever I'm trying to actually handle a project, whenever I'm trying to do something, whenever I'm trying to speak to someone, whenever I'm trying to explain something, I try and be the best suited example for them myself to say, hey, this is how you own up things. This is what sort of things that you should know. I think the first question there would be, how much do we know about the work that we're trying to do? I think that's the basic question that I would ask everybody whoever is trying to get on a new project. It just sets enough context and confidence for each one of us, right? The next thing again would be just to have small challenges saying if you did certain designs or if you worked on certain designs with somebody else, how much do they know why we did that in a certain way and not in another way? There are times when I work with somebody else on a project, but I let them explain if somebody asks, what is your argument behind this design? Because I think those are smaller opportunities that we need to create in order to let them or groom them in order to grow. And these are just softer skills that they're trying to hone. Over time, I think this just works additively, right? They just seem to cumulatively work together and then grow into a system that allows them to speak up for themselves, allows them to own things on their behalf. That has been my personal learning. That is something that I have followed while my previous managers and mentors have tried to groom me, worked out for me well. So yeah, here I am experimenting it on my own again.
0: Yeah, that's lovely to hear. I think experimentation is coming as a through line in all the questions as a trial and error and experimentation. Yeah, I wanna see where that will take us all. Moving on to a little more deeper question about this. What are some behavioral changes you need to make to set yourself for success in early days of being a manager? What are the people skills a design manager must have? A hey, controversial. Yeah. <laughs> I know.
1: That's pretty, pretty controversial. But yeah, I'll try and do justice from my own perspective again. First of all, I would say prepare to deal with a lot of anxiety of unknown. It's going to hit you like a truck. I did too and it was overwhelming if you're in a fast-paced industry so i tried my best to listen to connect to the quietest person in the room not in decibels but in amounts of thought i often felt ignorant while asking a lot of basic questions but that's all right if you're in a supportive environment right as questions came to my mind i often wrote them down before throwing them out at the end of most discussions that also helped me filter the noise and set the tone right whenever i'm asking questions i had to start talking to a lot of people as well and being a shy person that might come as a challenge so what helped was actually setting up the agenda right up front so that i don't have to struggle a lot and i often prefer just taking a walk instead of sitting inside a room with them facing each other right those are the things that i actually preferred myself while trying to get past my own boundaries and with so much context to wrap wrap my head around i started focusing on documenting as i said earlier right so documents have been my best friend so far for every designer out there i think that is one thing that i would like to say every design tool it's going to come and go but documents are here to stay again and again i'm going to say that i i would use them as a reference for every upcoming meeting To prepare myself up not in order to answer but to listen better in the first place and comprehend things that is how documents help me but yeah that's that's mostly it oh yeah one more thing sorry i couldn't get lost listening to music anymore
0: oh no (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you with yeah, headphones
0: that,
1: and yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. sucked. I mean, I, I was just like, um, I had to be always conscious about how things are happening. If I'm missing out on something, how the team is doing. So it was just hard for me to get lost in listening to music and realize that, yeah, I'm just self-centered now. I couldn't be. But yeah, that's just the hardest part.
0: Yeah, I totally understand the music part. Totally get it. It's not so controversial, but still, I think this question is very interesting what are some sacrifices after becoming a manager? The obvious part is you're unable to listen to our music and headphones. And also how do you motivate your, you know, your juniors or your subordinates or your team?
1: That's a typical political question and I'll try <laughs> to answer it as diplomatically as possible. Um, but it's, it's a nice trick question. I, I don't know what you mean by sacrifices but there's one thing that i have realized that i can tell you it's to handle the blame and share the fame when it came to leading a team i tried my best to let the team take credit for everything that was done well and i tried to filter the noise to convey to them how to improve over the failures rather than just telling them that hey how brutally they have failed right and here's here's one example that i could share so there was this client whom we were working with. And he ended up being a pretty racist client, actually. Uh, he had certain problems with a certain designer presenting their work. The management stressed upon the fact that, and demanded quite uh, you know, outrightly, that someone else should do the presentation part, even if the designer who was working on it was doing the presentations, and he was capable enough to do the presentations on their own. Um, I had my own objections. I ended up dousing a lot of fires myself, but I'm proud till date that the designer whom I fought for at that time is doing well on their own right now. This is just one of the things that I think everybody has to do at a certain point. They have to think selflessly about themselves and think about how they're gonna impact their own team members and set it right for them to actually do something great in the future. And, Coming to the motivation aspect, it's not magic. Uh, It's not impossible, and you cannot conjure it either. So it worked for me by defining the goals and sharing responsibilities again with the team. And most importantly, hiring people who are self-driven. It's very hard to actually try and motivate people every once in a while. So what I've tried all the time is looking for people who are driven on their own, who want to actually do good stuff, That way, we end up hanging out more over field research trips than office outings, honestly. But yeah, that's just my take and my perspective.